Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, May 18th, 2022. Today on the Ether, Akash Weekly, PKT, and Akash. Let's take a listen. Welcome, everybody. Just waiting for our guests to arrive, some more attendees to jump in, and we should be kicking it off here shortly. Thanks so much for joining. Hoping you're having a, a wonderful Wednesday, wherever you are in the world. And it looks like we got one of our speakers here. Hey, Greg, how you doing? Can you hear me all right? All right, we're seeing some more people funnel in. Thanks for joining. Waiting for one more speaker to arrive, and we should be good to go. Hope everyone's having a wild, fantastic Wednesday. While we're waiting, I uh, just wanted to mention if anyone does have uh, questions for our guest today, all you have to do is just make a speaker request, and uh, we'll get you in on the conversation. All right think we've got our guest. Hey, Caleb, can you hear me all right? Hello. Yes. Hey, excellent. Thanks for jumping in. Yeah, thanks for having me. For sure. Um, cool. So I think we've got everyone here, so I want to keep things on track. So GM, GM, everyone, welcome, and thank you for jumping into today's Twitter Spaces. My name is Adam Wozny, and I head up community at Overclock Labs. I'll also be your host and MC for today's event. So today we're going to be discussing all things mining, bandwidth, and cloud compute with Akash and PKT. So you can expect a great conversation. Um, as I mentioned before, if you do have questions throughout today's conversation, make a speaker request and I'll get your question in for our guests. So uh, we want to keep things on track and we have a lot to cover today. So I kind of want to jump right into some Akash updates and then uh, we can get to introducing our guests. So uh, first up is Akash is heading to Consensus and Decentral in Austin. So in about three weeks, we're looking to host a couple of meetups there, probably a Twitter Spaces live from the event. Um, if you are going to be attending, uh, stay tuned to our Twitter channel, our Discord channel, our Telegram channel. And that's where you can see when we have our events ready to go and RSVP to those. Um, TBD on who's going to be involved, but we do have some folks that we're talking with that we don't want to give away uh, any any of the secret sauce, but those events will be pretty fantastic, so stay tuned for that. Um, as a reminder, uh, AKT, uh, the Akash token, is actually listed right now on Crypto.com and KuCoin. Um, you can learn all about that. Head over to the Akash website to learn more about um, those listings. Um, in addition to that, we are hiring. Akash is hiring. So uh, if you are interested in joining the team here, head over to the Akash website and the careers page, and you can see all the different uh, opportunities to join the team and help us grow the decentralized cloud. Um, and actually, before we get into today's guest, I wanted to see maybe there are some any other updates you'd like to mention, Greg, on the Akash side, and then maybe handing it over to Caleb quickly for any kind of uh, PKT updates. I mean, it's been a pretty crazy week uh, for us, you know, with the USDT peg and, you know, uh, the whole, you know, uh, dealing with, uh, with impermanent loss on osmosis and now dealing with uh, re-enabling IBC. 
uh, unfortunately, like a lot of uh, my personal time has been, you know, consumed in, in protecting our our community members because a, a large portion of our investors and our community um, holds a significant uh, portion of USC. So, um, you know, happy to answer any questions if you guys have. You know, I've been, as most of you know, I've been in the forefront of uh, dealing with this uh, the DPEG uh, all the way from, you know, uh, you know, just leading the effort to to uh, uh, upgrade Osmosis, uh, you know, in, in an emergency fork um, from from um, so so that the UST and Osmo pool holders or or any Luna um, UST or Luna pool pool uh, LPs will be protected from uh, impermanent loss. It was very important for us to act very quickly. If not. You know, uh, you lose all the Osmo or any other assets that you have uh, pooled along with uh, USD. So that was pretty, pretty important uh, emergency uh, work we had to do. So I mean, a lot of us have spent nights and days just trying to get this uh, this out. So I'll be covering that in a little bit after we're done with, uh, with the updates. Uh, and happy to answer any questions you may have. So feel free to uh, make a pre- speaker request and and uh take it from there cool thanks greg yeah and we'll, we'll keep it pretty informal so we'll, we'll talk about pkt and akash but um, yeah if, it, if anybody has questions about you know everything that greg just mentioned feel free to make a speaker request and we'll get you in and then um quickly we'll hand it over to uh before the intros here we'll hand it over to caleb we wanted to see if you had any kind of pkt cash updates before we jump into our conversation yeah um well i think uh i would say that um so it's not exactly PKT uh, in particular, but uh, the company Packet Pal is hiring. So uh, if you go to pktpal.com, and uh, you know, so uh, we're gonna be, we're gonna be competing with you for those uh, those developers. So uh, if you're interested in making the internet something that cannot be turned off by any dictator or anybody, then uh, head over to Packet Pal. Awesome, thank you, Caleb. So. Now I want to kind of quickly introduce our guests. So first up, we have uh, Greg Osuri, founder of Akash and CEO of Overclock Labs. Prior to Akash, Greg founded AngelHack, the world's largest hackathon organization with over 200,000 developers across the globe. He started his career at IBM and later designed Kaiser Permanente's first cloud architecture. As an expert in open source, distributed systems, and blockchain development, Greg has been featured in top-tier publications such as the New York Times, Coindesk, Cointelegraph, Forbes, TechCrunch and Yahoo Finance, just to name a few. Welcome, Greg. How are you doing today? Doing well. Excellent. Cool. And uh, next up, we have Caleb James Dill. Actually, I don't. I don't think I've ever said your name correctly. Dill Leslie. Is that correct, uh, Caleb? Delisle. In the U.S., Delisle. Delisle. In French, French, it would be Delisle. But I'm from the U.S. Okay, we'll say Delisle then. We'll keep things stateside. <laughs> um, so Caleb is the founder of PKT.Cash blockchain and networking project for decentralizing internet infrastructure through a decentralized bandwidth marketplace. Prior to PKT, Caleb founded the CJDNS encrypted mesh networking project and created CryptPad.fr, the world's first collaborative online document editor with full end-to-end encryption so that the cloud company doesn't know what you're typing. Welcome, Caleb. How are you doing today? Doing pretty well. Thanks for having me. 
Excellent. So I do have a handful of questions to kind of kick off today's conversation with Caleb and Greg. But uh, as Greg mentioned, as a reminder, if you do have questions at any point throughout today's conversation, feel free to jump on in, make a speaker request, and we'll get you involved in the conversation. So first up is with Greg. So um, kind of want to just level set, you know, talking about Akash and PKT. So could you maybe quickly cover the long-term vision of Akash Network and the problem that it's trying to solve? <clears throat> Absolutely. So the, <clears throat> at a very high level, what Akash is trying to solve is improving global compute efficiency. Right? So what that means is there is enormous amount of deployed compute uh, in the world, uh, you know, mainly in data centers, that you know, is underutilized. And while we have this enormous supply just sitting there, there is an expansionary mindset with a big cloud, meaning going and building new chips and building you know, new data centers and, and, and not really thinking about how do you, how do you efficiently use uh, what we have, right? So the first problem I'm trying to solve that uh, solve is to you know, improve global efficiency, uh, which is better for the globe, better for, for humanity in general. And second, uh, uh, you know, problem which is all which is very critical is the idea of censorship, right? So the um, big cloud or the classic cloud, I call it, uh, has gotten to a point where they have over eighty percent of market share, four or four or five companies, and that's inherently bad because they, uh, with that market share, they also control uh, speech or who gets to say what, right? So. Well, I, well, you know, moderation is, is necessary to society. It's also important to know who's moderating your speech, right? So uh, in Akash, we uh, are trying to solve that problem by taking a fundamentally a censorship approach. And, um, and third is we're building the first open cloud, you know. So another big outcome of this hyper-centralization in the cloud is, um, is um, you know, stifling of innovation. Right? So it's very, it's, it's very, very hard for open projects with open communities, with open data and open values to succeed uh, while you have this enormous behemoth called the cloud that's, going, that's trying to tamper down any new uh, open source project, right? So uh, we need an open source alternative uh, to the cloud. Um, and uh, Akash is the answer. Akash is the first viable open source Cloud platform, cloud hosting platform uh, that actually functions. Right? That actually, where we have you know, thousands of websites uh, or, or, or you know, applications currently running in Akash, and so the idea um, is not to fully replace or so uh, the, the current cloud. I mean, the closed cloud has its uh, properties uh, that cannot be replicated in an open way, but really give the world an open, a viability, you know, viable open cloud. That could be an alternative, right? So, um, so that's really what we're doing at Akash. And the long-term vision is to, uh, you know, bring the viability to a point that we can actually unlock some of the open innovation. We don't really know what that open innovation is going to look like, but the foundation of which uh, is, is critical. Um, and, and that's really what we're building. Thanks, Ray. So, yeah, I, I feel like I hear a lot of similarities between you know, what we're doing over here and um, at the Akash side and the PKT cash side. So I kind of want to toss it over to Caleb, you know, um, similar to what I just asked, Greg, I was hoping you could maybe cover 
you know, the long-term vision of Pocket Cash and maybe the problem it's trying to solve. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we're taking the other side of it. You know, what, what you guys are doing is um, with uh, Akash, it's on the cloud and decentralizing the cloud. Uh, what we're aiming for is decentralizing the ISP. So, you know, in, in the internet, there's a lot of a lot of competition and it's great. It's wonderful. It's like one of the most wonderful things the internet has brought us is this competitive landscape where anybody, pretty much anybody can just make a website and do anything they want. But your access to the internet, it's like typically you have two or three companies, maybe the satellite is an option, um, and that's all you've got. And, uh, a lot of that's because you've got the infrastructure that only a couple companies own the infrastructure that you need in order to actually provide internet to people. And those companies, they just kind of sit on that infrastructure. So what we are aiming to do is to decouple the infrastructure aspect of the internet service from the service aspect. So think like, if you run a wire from your your house to your neighbor's house, you can't be part of the internet right now because you would need to have like a thousand wires to everybody's house and then become an ISP and register a corporation and do debt and all that. But it, just running one wire, you can't do it. What we want is that you can run that one wire and then you can just sell the bandwidth on that wire into a decentralized bandwidth marketplace where then these kind of like virtual cloud ISP companies can buy up that bandwidth and use it to build their own virtual networks. So think about it like this. You use a VPN. A lot of people use a VPN. You get on the internet, then you get on the VPN. Imagine if you bought the VPN and then you could just go to your neighbor, your neighbor's internet connection and just use their Wi-Fi. But What's happening when you use their Wi-Fi, it's going directly to your VPN, and then your VPN company is helping pay them for sharing that internet on their Wi-Fi. That's kind of what we're trying to do, except it's a lot bigger than that because we don't want that you're just taking the internet from your neighbor, which they buy from an ISP. We want that every internet connection, every link, every fiber on the whole in the whole world is being subdivided and sold into a bandwidth marketplace, and the the VPN companies to get to call them that are buying leases on all those those links and uh, knitting together virtual networks. Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I can definitely sense, you know, a strong connection between Akash and PKT and kind of like the vision and what you guys are kind of what we're all building out here. So kind of leads me to my, my next question, kind of for both of you. Um, so kind of understanding now what Akash and PKT is trying to solve. I wanted to see if you guys can maybe answer how you see or potentially see Akash and PKT communities working together. Um, and maybe we'll, we'll kick it off first with Greg. I mean, it's, it's very obvious, right? I mean, Akash is trying to solve the compute uh, and the cloud problem. PKD is trying to solve the bandwidth problem. I mean, we need a bandwidth marketplace because bandwidth, again, is overwhelmingly controlled um, by a few companies, right? Uh, very similar oligopolization problem that we have in the cloud. And that inherently is bad for society, right? So, so, um, so it's sort of like, um, you know, Obvious that you know a, a collaboration between PKT and Akash will look essentially, uh, 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 you know, a, a, essentially build the, the open cloud 
cloud and the open computer infrastructure that that we all want in the future. So it's it's like a beautiful like you know beautiful synergies between these two communities and these two technologies. I mean, I mean, I've been always we all know like bandwidth is a very is a crazy problem. It's very hard to solve. Uh, you know, a lot of times when you look at your cloud bills, you'll see bandwidth much higher than your regular cloud compute, right? Uh, especially if you have hyperscale or, uh, you know, uh, data intensive workloads. So when Akash, uh, you know, soon we'll have GPUs and data intensive workload support um, and, and, you know, being able to leverage PKTs, bandwidth infrastructure for low cost uh, or, you know, well-priced bandwidth, uh, 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 you know, uh, transfer, uh, it's going to be beneficial for for both for communities, right? So I'm I'm particularly excited to see PKT succeed and and uh, and, and thrive, so we can leverage uh, the network. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's fair to say that in most of these big cloud providers, the price that they're charging for bandwidth is basically fraud. I mean, it's it's. Uh, in in any other industry, that would be referred to as price gouging, and they kind of get away with it because they sell it in such small units. But um, yeah, it's it's pretty terrible, and you only find out about it once you actually want to offload your data set. You know, they they, they get your data set onto their their cloud, and then they're like, "Oh, you want it back? Oh, I'm very sorry." But um, anyway, one thing that I, I think you know, and and uh, you know quasi-fraudulent activity with, with bandwidth, it's really common. I mean, it's not just the cloud providers. They're doing it, but also the ISPs are doing it. And what the ISPs are doing is a little bit different. What they're doing is they say, oh, yeah, you can have a gigabit, but they know that you're not going to use the whole thing. And they're, so they're selling that same gigabit over and over and over again to all these people, just betting that not everybody's going to want to use it. And that oversubscription, you know, it it helps the biggest players because if you're huge, then you can sell to more people and you can just smooth it over more. You know, it's a lot like um, fractional reserve with banking, you know, as, lo as long as there isn't a run on the bank, you know, you're all set. You can just keep on using the same money over and over again. Same thing with bandwidth. Um, and another thing is that, and I, I think this is going to be huge for Akash, is that once bandwidth is being fairly priced, then we're going to realize that the cost of getting data from the customer to halfway around the world is actually a lot more than the cost of getting data from the customer to just down the road. And that's one thing that I think has held back the edge compute uh, ecosystem is that there's no real reason to do edge compute right now because the ISPs are basically telling us a lie that it costs the same thing to send the data all the way to AWS or whatever, as it costs to just send it across the road to a neighbor's house or, or something to do the compute locally. And once, yeah, once we are fairly pricing bandwidth, I think that that's gonna be huge for doing computation at the edge. Yeah, it's amazing how um, what ISPs and cloud providers do is legal, you know? I mean, you you think it should be illegal? You can't sell the same item like two times, right? But they all do it, and it's all perfectly legal. Uh, it, it's it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, ISPs are selling the same thing over and over again, and cloud providers are selling at prices that I mean, if this if you went to the store and you went to buy a loaf of bread and they said, oh, it's going to be a hundred bucks," like that's illegal. But they're and getting I, away with it. 
and and the best part is like they they get a flat rate right so you get a flat rate uh, in most data centers uh, the the the, uh, the bandwidth is and you get a gigabit line and you just pay once but the the billing however uh, in, in the cloud is most is metered per per usage so they're literally like reselling the same exact thing and making so much money it's like burgers and fries right you come for the burgers but you end up paying for the fries and you end up paying for the sugar water. It's and branded. Sugar water. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's it, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, I know somebody who was able to get. Uh, so uh, you know, being in the in the packet ecosystem, like I know a lot of people who have a lot of bandwidth because if you're doing uh, packet mining, you need to have bandwidth. And I know somebody who was able to get a hundred gigabit per second link for five thousand dollars a month. So you just do the math there, and then you see like. You're you're paying, you know, you if you're if you're using, I don't want to name the cloud providers, but like if you're using XYZ cloud provider and they are putting a line item on uh, gigabits of of traffic, like you need to figure out like what that is in gigabit per second for a month, and like mm -hmm. you're gonna see that they are overcharging by thousands of times what they're actually paying for that. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, it's, I, just listening to you guys, I have a, I'm sure everyone listening in probably have a handful of questions. So uh, as a reminder, if anybody has questions for Greg or Caleb, just uh, make a speaker request and we'll get you involved here in the conversation. Um, so I want to uh, keep it with Greg for a second. So, uh, you know, we just kind of covered the vision for PKT and, and, you know, how PKT community members are kind of using Akash. And you were kind of just chatting about this a little bit earlier, but um, in our earlier conversation that I had just with the just you guys um, kind of prepping for this event, we did chat about how Akash should be able to leverage PKT bandwidth between data centers. I was wondering if you just kind of give like the the real nitty gritty details and kind of what, you know, what does that do for end users of Akash and PKT? Sorry, it repeat the question again. I'm oh, for sure. Yeah. So when we, yeah, no, no worries. Um, so yeah, when you and I and Caleb met to kind of talk about today's event, one of the things that was wow. brought up was how Akash should be able to use or leverage PKT bandwidth between data centers. Um, just wanted to see like what that would do for end users of Akash and PKT. Well, so so the way you would use typically is like PKT will will be a port on your on your container that you can attach to, and you whatever you you write to the port, you know, it goes through. You know, the transfer happens, right? So typically, then then you'll choose PKT as a much cheaper port, I mean, or fairly priced, right? I think it'll be much cheaper, uh, but fairly priced port than any other port. So um, yeah, so it benefits Akash users with lower cost bandwidth. Got it. Very cool. And tossing it back over to Caleb. So um, in our in our kind of intro conversations about today's event, um, let's just say you had some uh, some. I don't want to say colorful. You just had some thoughts on ISP's uh, pricing structure for bandwidth. Um, I wanted to see if you could maybe share some of your research on how ISPs kind of price bandwidth and how PKT prices bandwidth. Um. So yeah, without using the F word. Uh, <laughs> um. So basically, I mean, the, the the research it's it's kind of like it's. I don't want to say um, it's hidden exactly, but um this isn't really that well documented you know how much do they oversell but um i can give you kind of like see most of this it's like people people know it because they've worked in the industry and you, you know it by rubbing shoulders and talking with people but basically what they're doing is they'll take like 
uh, a 10 gigabit link or something, and then they'll just start selling one gigabit links out of it. And the amount of the number of links that they're selling, it's kind of, it's going to be whatever, whatever they can kind of get away with. Then, so say like you've got Netflix or something, um, Netflix, you know, uses a lot of bandwidth. So the ISP will go, well, look, if you want, you can put a, a server at our, in our rack and then, you know, it won't use a lot of bandwidth because it'll all be served from inside our, our data center and then we don't have to pay for it. And Netflix is like, well, why should we do that? We already have an internet connection. And the ISP goes, well, if you don't, then it's all going to be going through the same uplink and so it's going to be slow. So they're actually kind of extorting from the the cloud providers too because then all these cloud companies, you know, all the all these CDN companies, they have to go and put a computer at each ISP in each data center, you know, very close to the edge because otherwise their service is just going to be a little slow. Now with packet uh, we're we're trying to make this all very uh, official. So, you think about what is actually what is it actually that you're paying for when you buy uh, internet? Well, you're paying for the option to transfer data between point A and point B. That's that's what it all comes down to. It's it's an option to transfer a certain amount of data over a certain amount of time between two places. And once you represent it that way, and then you start putting those into a market where you can trade them. You know, anytime you put something into a commodity market, the price gets bid down. You know, uh, the best thing we ever did for um, feeding the world has been the uh, the grain market. You know, and then once people could trade futures on grain, then the price of grain started to go down. So that's what we're trying to do with bandwidth. Uh, also energy markets, you know, once we put energy into a market, um, modulo some uh, shady companies like Enron, uh, once we put energy into a market, the price got bid down. Actually, it works really well in uh, gas and oil markets. So bandwidth is a little bit different than gas or oil because it's not just like a, a tangible item that exists in one place. It's an item that has or electricity, it's an item that has a, a source and a destination. So that makes it a little bit, it's like um, two-dimensional instead of one-dimensional, but that doesn't make it an impossible problem. Uh, you need bandwidth between point A and point B, you need bandwidth between point B and point C. Those are all things that can be represented as tokens and can be traded. Got it, got it. So um, so for folks listening in, I do have uh, only a few more questions for our guest here today. So uh, feel free to start making speaker requests and we'll get you in on the conversation. Um, so tossing it back over to Greg, you know, we we're just talking about, you know, how Akash is kind of supporting PKT community members today. Um, I wanted to see if you could, you know, take out your crystal ball <laughs> and see, you know, how Akash can support PKT community members, you know, in the future. Oh, Greg, you still there? You're on mute. mute yes. No worries. Right now, Akash, you know, is uh, helping PKD bootstrap, right? So we have quite a bit of PKD miners that are uh, you know, leveraging uh, the bandwidth uh, on Akash to uh, to do bandwidth uh, hard uh, uh, mining, right? So um, I think PKD, Akash is one of the most uh, competitive uh, platforms to to for PKD to run, uh, and uh, it's very attractive to a lot of uh, the PKD miners. There are even videos. Uh, uh, all over and on profitability of running PKT on Akash is pretty, uh, pretty, pretty amazing to see uh, how organically a lot of the PKT miners found Akash and uh, and uh, and moving forward, of course, we're going to be supporting um, you know 
right now Akash is, is, is primarily uh, PKT miners are using Akash to to mine. But uh, in the future, you know, it, it'll be Akash, uh, you know, users uh, using PKT to to route traffic. So I'm I'm very excited. It's a very long uh, long term collaboration. Very cool. Yeah. And that kind of uh, takes me to my kind of final few questions for you guys. Um, so kind of stepping out of just, you know, the PKT and Akash kind of connection. Um, Caleb, I wanted to see if you just maybe talk high level and, you know, what's next for PKT and the ecosystem? Yeah. So um, uh, about this mining, I think I would just kind of fill that in for people that don't know. Uh, the way that we started PKTs because it's such a big project, obviously, to like actually tokenize bandwidth between all the different places in the world. It's huge. Uh, it's not going to get done immediately. Um, so what we decided to do was kind of use a bandwidth hard proof of work as a way to plant a flag and say, this is what we stand for. And, and this is where we're gathering. So we're all gathering around this idea of uh, decentralizing the internet even though it's not done yet, we are gathering around it using uh, a fully decentralized blockchain uh, Bitcoin fork um, with a proof of work based on bandwidth. And so a lot of people are mining uh, PacketCrypt using Akash. And so that's what's happening right now. Uh, future, well, like I said, uh, the, the, the long future, the vision is to uh, break up the whole internet into little pieces and then make those pieces tradable and tokenizable and then make virtual networks that run on top of those pieces that anybody can just build their own ISP. Um, but And also anybody can, be, can own their own piece of it with minimal technical knowledge. That's the other part. You know, you point an antenna out the window and bam, you're part of the internet now. Um, what we need to do kind of in the immediate term is to get internet sharing working. And that's something that uh, I just got off a call today with some guys. We're going to be doing some proof of concept. Obviously, the most difficult thing is working with the Android and iOS, uh, the phones, because they are very locked down. It's very hard to get them to behave. But uh, we're talking about ways to make the app so that it will auto connect so that then we can have, you know, uh, this proof of concept where you're connecting to your neighbor's internet. Uh, you're, you're not actually using your neighbor's internet. You're using your neighbor in order to get onto the network, which gets you to your VPN. And then the VPN company's paying the neighbor. So that's our immediate next step. Um, and then after that, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's all about how that payment works and then the tokenization of the bandwidth. Got it. And yeah, I'm going to do the same kind of question for Greg, you know, taking outside of just, you know, PKT and Akash connections here, you know, what's, you know, we just launched a really successful mainnet three. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to see kind of what you, uh, what your thoughts are on what's next for Akash. Greg, are you there? Can you hear me? I'm sorry. I keep, keep talking over you. Well, <laughs> uh, mainnet three was a, is a big moment for us. I mean, we enabled uh, essentially a persistent storage. Uh, which is huge, but it's also a pretty complicated um, setup for uh, for providers to easily configure their storage clusters and attach to Akash. Right, persistent storage allows for unbounded um, storage. That means uh, you know providers can now provide terabytes uh, or even petabytes of storage needed. So it's a huge, uh, huge missing feature for Akash that lets you deploy data-intensive uh, applications, uh, be it uh, blockchain nodes to be it, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, be it you know, database-heavy applications and, and all the good stuff. 
The next step is to um, simplify the onboarding for providers for us because you essentially, you know, it's, 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 it's a very complicated sort of like feature uh, uh, to enable, but sorry, it's not straightforward. It's just, you know, uh, not about clicking a button and, and, and having persistent storage overnight, right? So we want to simplify that. And uh, so the big upcoming after we do simplification is going to continue the theme of like simplifying um, adoption, both for, uh, uh, you know, users as well, both for tenants as well as providers. And then uh, we're going to go to the next step of uh, enabling uh, computing intensive workloads with GPUs, right? So uh, GPUs, uh, are uh, are a big feature that that unlocks machine learning and and a whole new new set of uh, mining workloads as well. So we're very excited about it. And uh, and uh, somewhere down the line, there's bandwidth, right? So we can't solve bandwidth, but we want to have pricing for bandwidth at least, uh, letting the chooser user or letting providers set the price for bandwidth and like decoupling bandwidth with overall pricing. So that, I think that's really where the opportunity for a PKT comes in, where uh, we can enable, uh, you know, uh, users uh, to to pay for bandwidth separately, uh, thereby that cost could further, that, that, that price could further go down to the, the packet folks, right? So I think there's an opportunity there where we can, can have much deeper collaboration uh, with, with interoperability between between our chains, um, and then ultimately, what we are building up to is a services market, right? So, so services market is essentially um, a market where you can uh, acquire managed service providers for your you know for your critical workloads uh, that such as databases or caches or load balancers or whatnot, where you don't necessarily want to manage them yourself because is commoditized to the, for the most part, right? So you don't want to deal with patching your databases, with keeping up with zero days and kinds of like maintenance stuff that, that you'd rather you know, pay someone uh, a, a small price and have them do it, right? So I think that's very critical to really build what we want to build is a serverless infrastructure, right? So a pure, a, 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 an amazing server, serverless infrastructure where the user doesn't need to manage or care about the underlying services Managing them at least uh, gives a foundation for a, a real no-code type environment. So that's what we are building towards, and that's the true enablement for the cloud, right? So, so um, yeah, that's uh, it's pretty exciting. And of course, a big thing that's coming out immediately is the token economics. I keep forgetting there's a lot of things happening here. Uh, now, while you have the product roadmap, uh, we now have the token roadmap, right? So we are uh, near completing. In, uh, completion for the uh, mint burn uh, mechanism. Obviously, there are a lot of lessons we learned from uh, from the Terra collapse. So we're you know incorporating those lessons, and we're targeting mid June for the um, for an early draft of the white paper for uh, for the Akash uh, Economics 2.0 uh, that that will introduce burning. And we're also looking at uh, one of the big things that we're we're coming out is profitability for providers, right? So what we noticed so far with Akash is there are types of workloads like mining and whatnot that are highly profitable for providers. There are types of workloads like high-intensive web applications that, that are not very profitable for providers. So we have some level of like some delta there in terms of profitability, and we want to uh, solve the pricing for providers, right? So 
we are Akash is a Akash takes a fine grained file pricing approach. That means you can size your database, size your applications um, in whatever size you want to uh, uh, to size them instead of picking up a tier, right? So it's an amazing uh, flexible pricing model, and that's foundation for serverless applications. So you shouldn't be paying for a box uh, that where you're not using all the resources for the box, right? So pricing is very important for us to fix. Uh, so we're you know, working on a, a, a better pricing model for providers on how you should price your workloads um, and um, taking the lessons from, from what we learned of one year, one year of a minute uh, to being live and uh, adding additional incentives uh, on top of the profitability, right? So the first step is to ensure that there's absolute profitability uh, and then we can further incentivize to 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 significantly lower costs uh, as well. So we're you know we're working through 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 those economics. Um, we'll have some sort of a um, some draft for the mid burn by by next by mid mid June. Wow, that is exciting, and that's a lot. I, I feel like we need to do a separate Twitter Spaces just on how you keep track of all the cool things that's happening here. <laughs> um, just productivity. Um, so cool. We have uh, one of our attendees actually uh, made a speaker request. So Praetor app, feel free to unmute your microphone, introduce yourself, and ask your question for Greg and Caleb. Uh, hey guys, uh, my name is Jigar, and I'm from Praetor app. Uh, can can you guys hear me? Yes. Yeah, hey, yep, you're... Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Sorry. Um, yeah. So Predator app provides an easy way to become a cloud provider for Akash network. And uh, yeah, um, not a really question, but uh, an input what uh, Greg was uh, just referring uh, for uh, providers. We are working with uh, Akash team to enable that precision storage uh, into Predator app. So um, that will be easy way. So like a lot of providers can enable precision storage uh, from uh, from like simplified UI um, and uh, like the heavy load uh, will will do it on the native, right? So yeah, uh, uh, really excited for all these new features that uh, Minute Three uh, brings in uh, to the network and really looking forward to it. Yeah, we're very excited for Pater because uh, you know they're they're doing a lot of amazing work. And simplifying provider onboarding. If you haven't checked them out, please uh, please do. They also have a profitability calculator for for uh, for providers, which is also worth checking out. So Akash is amazing because you can see a lot of different teams now building on top of Akash uh, and serving to Akash users, and that's really the the future we want. The Predator is here, Akash Linux is here. Um, all of them are doing amazing work, and. Uh, yeah, so let's talk about what happened with Terra, right? So I can uh, quickly, uh, you know, give you a download, uh, and then we yeah, can go uh, for it. So obviously, I mean, most of you sitting here know what what, what happened, but from our perspective, uh, Terra started depegging some sometime uh, end of last week. The Terra USD, the T USD, right? So, and uh, that started. You know, you know, causing FUD and that further FUD sent Luna into a death spiral. The uh, that had effects on well. So if you're holding on to your, your TSD, the, um, UST, 
people that held on to it, held on to it, people that sold, sold. So, uh, you know, I'm not really that concerned about that, but really uh, it came down to causing impermanent loss on osmosis, right? So um, we, we, like all of us came to an understanding that we took the risk and, you know, the, the kind of like, uh, are okay, you know, even though it sucks, are, are okay with like letting go of our USD. But I was really taken back that the impermanent loss uh, will essentially cause us to lose our, our Osmo uh, that's in these USD pools um, or any other asset we're holding. For me, it was Osmo in the USD pool. And um, so by the time the unbonding happens, which is about 14 days, I mean, isn't one, seven, and 14 days. Obviously, most of us picked 14 days because it had higher return. Uh, by the time the unbonding will, will happen, we'll be left with useless USD and, and uh, no Osmo. And that was scary, right? And that's the secondary effects of this, this composable you know, DeFi paradigm we talked about, right? Everything is connected to everything. It's amazing when things work. But it's horrible when things don't work, like like what happened now. So it was very important for us to move fast as a community uh, to stop the losses of of our uh, osmosis. And um, and of course, I've been uh, you know trying to get answers, like most of us are uh, here in the community, and really couldn't get answers. So I decided to take action on it, and uh, I you know I approached the teams to potentially see what we can do. And, and I think Osmosis team really went in and really went in like, um, you know, uh, you know, we're trying to collaborate with charities to first like sever the channels, the IBC channels, uh, so that there is no new USD coming into Osmosis that's causing uh, impermanent loss. They, uh, the core team has to be credibility neutral and they can take a position of like favoring certain uh, certain pools and not favoring certain pools. So their hands have been tied. But what they did, uh, which was critical, I mean, Sunny sent a pull request. Uh, literally, uh, you know, he he, he ha- had this code block in the begin block uh, of every every you know uh, the Terra chain where they would manually like look up the channels and they would close the channel uh, in the code itself. Uh, I was reading the code last night. That's what I found. And that was pretty hacky, but it, it does the job, right? But, you know, hats off to Sunny and, and the team to move fast on it. So I think they, they, they should get the credit. Um, anyway, so uh, once they started severing these, uh, these IBC, we, we, would, we were able to uh, put a loss. I mean, we were able to slow down the impairment loss, but it was not complete. The only way to... To stop impermanent loss, obviously, was to freeze the pools. And they can't freeze the pools because there is no button to freeze the pools. So it was cr- critical for us to get a governance proposal out to, you know, to essentially freeze the pools by depooling uh, the Osmo and, and, and the tokens that you have. Uh, depooling is a new stake uh, that needed to be introduced uh, because there was a, a pool and un- unbonded state previously. So, um, um, and they didn't have a deep pooling capability. Um, and uh, so we went and you know, essentially put a proposal up together um, to uh, a text proposal to signal that 
hey, Akash, I mean, the Osmosis community really wants this this feature, and we need it. And 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 uh, and uh, uh, the the uh, the Osmosis core team wanted to uh, agree to start coding this feature once they have a two third majority. Uh, so I was important for me to rally the votes to get to the two third majority as soon as possible, so they can start working on it. They kind of started start working on it a little earlier. They assumed that they was going to start like, you know, because it was a common thing to do. It was, it was, it was the right thing to do. Uh, but seeing the seeing the, uh, the speed at which we, we could gather votes, and thanks to the community for giving the support, uh, and, and I had to take take lead to to get all the validators to agree. Uh, did whatever I can to get the votes, you know, feeded, uh, threatened, did whatever I can. But finally, we got the we got the votes, and we were able to get the depot button by Sunday. And once the depot happened, we were able to save our our osmosis. So it was a a, a crazy effort in a decentralized ecosystem. Uh, but nevertheless, a lot of lessons were learned. And uh, well, so that's what happened on the osmosis side. Uh, that's half the problem. Now we have all these. Well, the IBC is disabled, so you can't really transfer out your UST tokens once the uh, depolling happens. Again, depolling only I mean, still doesn't still respects the the unlock time. That means your tokens are not immediately liquid. I mean, your your tokens will you know you won't lose your tokens, but they're not liquid, right? So, uh, in order for them to to be liquid, uh, Terra needs to. I mean, you you need your your sorry unlock period needs to complete. So uh, you know whatever that is, seven days or fourteen days or one day, and once that happens, you need to be able to transfer the the Terra and Luna tokens out of Osmosis, and the only way to do that is to enable IBC on Osmosis. So I you know I obviously I have not deep in Terra community. I don't. I'm not a big. I'm not a staker in in Luna. I am not a Terra community member. Uh, I have very comparatively, I, I hold very little Luna and 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 uh, and USD, but not enough to have a sway in the community. So uh, this is purely coming from outsider and uh, trying to trying to help uh, myself and my community uh, as much as possible. So I did what I can to to move the issue forward. So in each, I started by submitting a proposal um, to to re-enable. The IBC through parameter change, and I learned that uh, that's not the case because Sunny actually did a did a quick fix in in, in the pull request you sent. Um, so I, now I'm under I'm still researching as to how to revert the change. I mean, I can revert the change by by removing the code, uh, but I think that's not the solution. There, nobody really knows what exactly the solution is. Uh, so it's, it's being a little frustrating, and Terra team has been extremely silent on this issue, which is even more frustrating. So any respect I have for the team, uh, I'm losing it because I'm not asking for, for a handout. I'm asking for clarity and like, how do you re-enable these IBC? I'll do the work. I'll, I'll write the code. I'll do the governance proposals. I'll, I'll, I'll rally the community to get votes. But their silence has been horrible in, in such a situation. So I'm extremely frustrated with them. So that's 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 where we are uh, with the, with the, uh, with 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 the USD. 
Thanks for that very thorough account, Greg. And yeah, I'm sure everyone listening in was somehow <laughs> touched or affected by the events of the last week. And I'm sure uh, the PKT folks, you guys weren't immune as well. I wanted to see maybe um, what ripple effects were felt on your side with the community over at PKT. So um, we don't have, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Okay. It's, it's not showing on the screen. Um, so we don't have uh, a, a UST pair. We do have a USDT pair. And, you know, I, I th I've been thinking a lot about this in uh, the recent weeks because, um, you know, the, the, this is a bigger problem, you know, and this is a problem that we've inherited from the legacy uh, economy. You know, this problem of debt, basically, because if in in a in an equity system or in a crypto system or like in the case of Bitcoin or Packet, it, when a bunch of people decide to leave, the price goes down and the the losses are are just shared between everybody. You know, the, the concept of equity is the, the losses are shared between the creditor and the debtor. But in the case of debt, you have like uh, everybody is able to redeem exactly one dollar until the person who can't redeem anything. That's kind of like the situation now. Stable coins, uh, we do have a USDT pair, so we we are exposed to USDT. Um, the problem with stable coins, and somebody somebody in the uh, um, on a social really mentioned it well. The problem with stable coins is that you can uh, if if you're a bad actor, let's say, or just an arbitrage person, you can um, you can short a stable coin arbitrarily. You can take an arbitrarily large short because what's gonna what's the worst that's gonna happen to you? It's gonna go up to a dollar. Like you're you're not worried about it going, it's not gonna go above a dollar. So there's no risk in taking arbitrarily large shorts on stable coins. So I think we have to worry about more uh, stable coins getting raided, and we don't know if this was a raid or how this, you know, with with UST, we we still don't know what happened. But um, we do have to worry about people taking these very large shorts, which end up uh, destabilizing that stable coin. And um, you know, I, I I think that it's it's so difficult because we want we need these stable coins in order to establish the market and, and to set the price. And then we need to buy the stable coin in order to put the liquidity. Everybody knows, you know, if you want to play in the market, you need those stable coins to, uh, to put the bids. But the stable coins are this inherent risk to the crypto ecosystem. So I think, and I'm, I'm thinking about making a video about this. Um, I think that the future is, uh, a move away from debt and toward a a fully um, what's the word uh, a, a fully equity based economy. So everything is a token. Everything is is shared ownership. Uh, everything is equity, and the price of anything that you have it's always floating. So maybe you would be putting a certain order in the order book, but the size of that order changes because you're not actually owning uh, debt representing your uh, US dollars when when you place that place that order you're owning packet or bitcoin or akash anyway that's my uh that's my two cents on the on the topic yeah yeah i, I totally hear you on it's a systemic risk it's gonna turn that yeah and i think that it's something we're going we're going to get past and uh, i i really feel bad for everybody who who lost money on this and i mean it, it makes it seems so 
reasonable to buy a stable coin because it's stable and you wouldn't you know lose money from the bank uh taking negative interest rates but um we're starting to realize that these stable coins do carry some significant risk and you know if you're somebody who has to put uh has to buy that stable coin in order to to fill the order book like uh that it's it's a problem it's something when you really need to solve yeah and like the secondary effect of this I mean, it's it's, un, it's really sad for people coming into the ecosystem thinking that USD is going to be stable, right? Like a lot of them, that was the argument too to, to make this emergency proposal because uh, even though we are supposed to do your own research and there's your own risk, most people don't really do much research on what a stable coin is because they assume stable coins is a non-volatile asset and it is supposed to be a dollar, right? And that's, that's the sad part. And people coming into these things thinking, you know, your risk model is not like uh, accounting for USD uh, or, or US dollars uh, being unstable. Coming into that uh, into that pool with that notion and, and suddenly realizing that your biggest risk was a DPEG uh, where you lo- lost all your money, right? And I heard like there are people killing themselves, like what, 22 people died uh, not killing themselves uh, because of the USD DPEG. I don't know how far it's true. It's on Reddit. So, so take it for yeah. what's worth, but but it's it's really sad, um, and uh, I don't know what the future is going to hold in terms of regulatory, uh, you know, uh, ramblings, right? So I've been hearing the the, um, the there's the, I think this DPEG set us back by a lot, right? Now every time we you know we position crypto as a viable payment alternative, uh, people are going to talk about the USD DPEG quite a lot right so uh it's uh, it's going to be very challenging uh to push the crypto narrative as the payment uh, system uh, because of this yeah well i mean it's it's a reality and, and it's something that we have to always be educating new newcomers into the ecosystem you know the bitcoin maximalists uh i mean they 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 don't like packet they don't like akash they don't like anything but um uh, to their credit, they've been very good at educating people, you know, stay away from anything where somebody's promising you a return or somebody's promising you uh, a redemption of exactly whatever you put in. You know, it, those those promises are very risky. And, and when you have something where you allow the price to float, it's it's inherently stable. And when the price is not allowed to float, you know, you're promising it's going to be redeemed at exactly that amount. That's where you can have those bank runs. Yep. Uh, does it, if anyone has thoughts on, you know, uh, on 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 what your on UST DPEG, please uh, raise uh, please request as a speaker. Yeah, we have about five minutes left. So anyone listening in, if you have questions for Greg or Caleb on kind of anything we've been discussing today, just make a, a quick speaker request, and we'll we'll get in your question quick before we have to wrap things up. So. Oh, looks like we've got one. Uh, I'm going to add you, CJ. All right, CJ, you should have speaker access. Go ahead and um, introduce yourself and ask your question for Greg and Caleb. Hi, my name is CJ, and um, my question is for uh, Caleb. Um, so aside from mining, can you explain the utilities for PKT and a little like explanation of, um, I think, token strike and Wi-Fi sharing? Okay, so uh, I did uh, I did explain like the utilities where we're going with uh, packet uh, earlier, but uh, token strike is is a really interesting topic. So, um, what token strike is about is about being able to make redeemable tokens. So 
everybody likes to make tokens. Um, uh, back to this this uh, bank run risk, you know, the, the concept of redeeming is where we get this risk. Uh, but there are there is value in being able to make a, a redeemable token because you can tokenize assets. You know, you can tokenize uh, shared ownership. And that's where we talk about the equity again. Um, problem with tokens is that they're really expensive and they're they're expensive to transact in or expensive to mint uh, at certain times. You know, like uh, I remember hearing something about over a hundred dollars per transaction uh, on the Ethereum chain a couple weeks ago during some big event, and that is because the, those uh, tokens are being validated by the Ethereum blockchain. So what Token Strike is about, and this is a project which has been ongoing for too long. But um, it's it's uh, it's being done by a team and funded by the Packet Project. It's about being able to make a token, and every token is its own sovereign blockchain. So you know, you you your your issuer server is signing every transaction on that of that token chain, and that way you can just say, I want to have a token, and you can you can create it as if you were creating, say, like an email server. It's something very easy simple to do and uh effectively free so i think that that's going to be a big game changer once when it comes out because it's going to just you know reduce the barrier of entry for somebody who wants to create a token uh representing anything or nothing um i'm sure there's going to be a lot of tokens that represent nothing and we should move away from that but um like i said the the ability to tokenize representation of value i think that's the future i think that debt is something we need to get past because debt leads to bankruptcy bankruptcy leads to domino effects which leads to economic collapse and we we need to uh live in a world where we don't have economic collapse there's no inherent reason why we need to have an economic downturn so i i think that uh i think we we must and we can move past that as an economic reality Cool. Thank you, uh, Caleb, and thank you, CJ. About, Caleb, that why should we have an economic downturn? That's not natural. Hey, like it's, it's gonna have focus. We shouldn't because I mean, and very good point. The debt leads to that. Yep, it's debt. It's debt which creates these bankruptcies, which makes this domino effect, and the domino effect causes all this, uh, the, all this collapse, and then you have perfectly good people ready to work and you've got perfectly good people ready to spend and somehow magically nothing works. And that's something that, you know, we're in the crypto ecosystem here and this is something that we should be thinking directly about how we're going to fix that. Cool. Thank you, CJ, for that question. Thank you, Greg and Caleb for the response. Um, and we are at time, so we're gonna have to wrap things up. Sorry if you folks listening and had other questions. Um, but um, if you do have questions or any final thoughts or feedback, just head over to the Akash Network Telegram or Discord channels and leave your questions in there. Um, I want to thank our guests today, uh, Greg and Caleb, for participating in, in today's event and thank all of you for joining. Um, as a final note, uh, as I mentioned early on, uh, we are hiring. So head over to Akash.network and check, click on the careers page to check out all the open roles that are um, open here at Akash. So um, from everyone here at Overcock Labs, I do want to thank you for joining today's event. Thank you, Greg and Caleb for joining. And as I say, in every Twitter spaces, we'll see you in the metaverse. Thanks for joining everybody. Thanks. Have a good one. Thanks for having me. For sure. Take care, everyone.
Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Akash Weekly, PKT and Akash, recorded on Wednesday, May 18th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Watching these debates like what a bunch of noise when the illusion of choice outmaneuvers your voices. No one really knows what the fuck is going on here. Sitting in the bunker, waiting for the all clear. It's like we're getting steered towards the motherfucking iceberg. Captain all drunk deciphering where the ice lurks. And we thought 2020 was gonna be a nice year. Living with the plague like who brought the mice here? Try to think of it as another simulation. Game full of bugs but it's still fun to play. It's like we're aliens beta testing earth. Digging in the dirt trying to earn a little girth the beast is silent when it defeats the riders living outside trying to meet this virus if you want to watch it all burn from the sky rise delete the science and increase the righteous living like a jerk return to feed the worms vibing like a tree just breathing out the words be careful outside them police is violent feeling like i finally earned some peace and quiet piece of pie first trying to be the fat kid you least admire feast of fire when the beasts of burden are getting all bored but at least we're certain we found the imposter living among us fussing with hunches another big chungus bludgeon to worry the fungus will clean up the guts and get us to function on fleeting assumptions i'll see through the rust from rush to rush hour stacked up like a bunch of junk so hush your muff before we stuff your luck and break your fucking neck to this like bust a bust Bleeding impulsive, the meeting controls it When breathing corrosive, no eating the bullshit Feeling the worth like it's gonna be a good year Now we're all tired, stop treading on the work here Terrorist spaces.